0: Hey guys, Zeno here from A to Z coming up on the show today. How will the Falcons respond now that Kyle Pitts is on injured reserve? Plus, the one thing about Georgia that nobody's mentioning yet that could be a problem and the college football playoff committee's job is really easy. That's coming up right here on A to Z right here on Locked On Sports Atlanta. This is A to Z with Mark Zeno, part of Locked On Sports Atlanta. How did we get here? If you're not the number one pick, guess what? You have no guarantee. That's where you are. And it starts... Does that make me a genius? Yes. Now... Good afternoon. Welcome to A to Z here on Locked On Sports Atlanta, where today I tell you, the coach's job isn't easy. Welcome in. We are live here on this Tuesday. A lot to do today. Give us a follow on Twitter at LockedOnATL. I'm at Mark Zinno, M-A-R-K-Z-I-N-O. Subscribe to that YouTube channel, give a thumbs up to the content there, and get us to 5,000 subscribers. You guys are doing an amazing job, and we appreciate the love and support as well. Locked On Sports Atlanta on Roku TV. However you get your Roku TV, your Amazon Fire Stick, download that Roku TV app make sure you guys check out Locked On Sports Atlanta every single day. We've got a bunch to get to here today uh, with a lot of important football coming up here uh, this weekend, not only for uh, the Georgia Bulldogs and the college football playoff, but also the Atlanta Falcons. And that's where we'll start today because uh, we did the show yesterday. We weren't sure. We talked about, you know, uh, Kyle Pitts, probably just best to shut him down for the year. A guy who's been wildly unproductive um, by the metrics of what he did last year. And of course, Within an hour of finishing recording the show, the Falcons make it official. They put um, Kyle Pitts on IR, and uh, by all accounts, he's done for the year. Now, there's an interesting thing that happens in the NFL sometimes, um, and more the NFL uh, than anywhere else, and and maybe because the NFL is the one game that, that uh, has the most players on the field at one time. I mean, look, there's five basketball players, right? There's the pitcher, but there's eight other baseball players. Uh, And even in hockey, you know, again, you got a goalie and five other guys on the ice. You know, with so many guys being out on the field, it it seems like, you know, 11 on offense, 11 on defense, by the way. You know, uh, it seems like that one guy shouldn't have as that much of an effect on a team, but it can. And it's stuff like this that has happened before. Uh, and, And most recently, remember, you see it with a guy like Odell Beckham Jr., right? or at least some of the rap on OBJ was that, that when he was out of games, teams played better than when he was in games. And I'm not going to assert that that's going to be the case with Kyle Pitts, but this is a guy who has 28 catches for 356 yards and just two touchdowns. Uh, we asked that Kyle Pitts get more than one touchdown last year. Well, he doubled it. Uh, now we're at two. So there's that. You know, this is a guy who's averaging just 35 yards receiving per game. Um, you know, last year became the second tight end in NFL history to amass over a thousand yards, rookie tight end to get over a thousand yards. And this is a guy who this offense was supposed to be centered around. Now it's not that Pitts' um, numbers are bad because the Falcons aren't trying. They've are. And Smith has said that repeatedly, He's been targeted on almost 29% of his 207 routes this year. That's the highest target percentage among tight ends in the league this year, but he's only catching the ball on 47% of his targets, which ranks 30th among tight ends and 137th among all players. What is his effect on the offense going to be? Well, you're going to find out. There's, I, I think there's two things that will unfold. One manifestly, and we saw this a little bit where, where Pitts was out for a couple of games um, was out for a game earlier this year, and that was Drake London wasn't easily as found open without Kyle Pitts on the field, right? Um, that was was a, a product of it. So, how will Drake London suffer? Will the Falcons rely on the on the run more? What will happen? You know, as far as the other guys getting open and things of that nature. Um, I think that's fair. The other part of this is, is will we start to see the backup tight ends? find some measure of success more than Kyle Pitts? If the answer is yes, then I think there are some valid reasons for that happening. One, um, Kyle Pitts is easy to spot on the field for the defense. They look for eight. They know where he is. He's the biggest, tallest, and probably the fastest guy on the field. So when they're breaking the huddle, there are probably, on the defense of the 11 sets of eyes that are there, probably five or six of them at least are looking for where number eight is. That's easy. On the flip side, um, no one cares about where Michael Pruitt lines up. Why? Because he's Michael Pruitt. And, and that's not a, a knock on him, but there's just not that reason to, to to notice other than where the body of the tight end would be. That's it. Um. Yeah, and, and that's part of it. And between Pruitt and Anthony Ferkster, you know, even Felipe Franks, who might be in the in the rotation here, uh none of those guys are going to invoke any sort of fear from anybody in the defensive side of the ball. That said, they won't be as much of a focal point. They'll shift their focus to Drake London, other wide receivers. And plus it's easier to scheme tight ends open than it is necessarily wide receivers. Smith is good at that. Well, if you're going to sit here and say, why would Smith, if he's so good at scheming tight ends open, why couldn't he get Kyle Pitts? Well, because, again, there were probably two guys covering him nonstop, making sure that wasn't going to be that guy who was going to beat us. They'll leave Michael Pruitt and Anthony Firkster one-on-one on anybody on the field. And those guys just got to go out and make plays. And this is really a very, very important, um, you know, game – for the Falcons, given what exactly is on the line here. Um, And oh, by the way, this is not exactly a team that they're playing that has allowed tight ends to flourish, period. The Washington Commanders this year have only given up two touchdowns to tight ends on the season. In fact, they only average giving up three and a half catches per game. And nobody this year, no team um, from the tight end position has gotten more than 70 yards against them. And that, the one team who did was the Eagles, who have a pretty good tight end in and of themselves. So there's that. Um, it, it's going to be a tough, tough matchup all around. And the Falcons are going to have their hands full. This is a commander's team right now that is playing some of the best football in the league. Um, and then I, I'll remind everybody, this is why you don't predict wins back in April and in August. Did anybody have any idea that the Washington Commanders would be playing this level of football to the level that they are right now with Taylor Heineke at quarterback? This is a team that over the last six weeks hasn't given up more than 21 points to anybody. Their defense is legit. Um, This is another team that runs the ball really well. And they have a lot more weapons right now than the Falcons do, all across the board. So it's going to be problematic. And oh, by the way, you know, they're doing this without Chase Young back yet, who may be back this weekend, which is even worse. Because Chase Young was activated by the Commanders yesterday. So, yeah, it's going to get ugly uh, this weekend. Don't like the spot at all for the Falcons. Not one iota. And there's a reason why Washington is favored by four and a half here. Uh, This is going to be Arthur Smith's toughest coaching job to date uh, this particular week. More than any other week, I think this is the week that uh, he's going to struggle the most. I mean, in short, okay, um, this is one of those things where uh, there might have played better teams. but, you know, again, like the 49ers are a better team than the Commanders. But still, situationally, I feel like this is a tougher spot for the uh, for the Commanders. Uh, for the Falcons, rather, against the Commanders. So we'll see how it, it all shakes out. It's going to be interesting. I mean, I think, I think there's a lot there um, that's going to unfold throughout the week and, and how they're going to do on Sunday. But what this team looks like offensively without Kyle Pitts – We're going to find out, and uh, my guess is that if he doesn't exploit the use of the other tight ends, there might not be a ton of scoring for the Falcons on Sunday. All right, we are going to get to a huge problem for Georgia that hasn't been talked about enough here in just a moment. First, a word from our friends at betonline.net, fastest and easiest way to check in on all your betting needs. Find your favorite sports and events at the number one online sports for odds, lines, and games. Told you about the Falcons line right there. Again, we're going to have three games on Thanksgiving Thanksgiving coming up. Some pretty big numbers and spreads out there. You'll have reviews of those games. Why? Because they give you reviews of every league. is news as well. NFL, college football, NBA, NHL, combat sports, esports, even golf. It's all right there for you guys. Bet online continues to be the top online resource for all your sports wagering information, live in-game betting scores, podcasts. They have so much information on their podcast. Just a ton and a wealth of information for you guys to get right there. Head to Bet Online today or use your mobile device to learn more about the action that's happening today. BetOnline, where the game starts. Quick plug again, get you guys to remind you to subscribe to the YouTube channel. Get us to 5,000 subscribers. We are so excited that you guys have supported Locked On Sports Atlanta as much as you have. And we certainly appreciate All the love and support. All right. Um, Everybody loves and supports Georgia. Why? Because they're really, really good. And they are marching now to a second consecutive um, unbeaten regular season. And oh, by the way, that's going to be a bet next year. Speaking of bet online, will Georgia lose a regular season game again next year? It's getting very Alabama-esque at this point uh, for Georgia. That said, they're not going to lose to Georgia Tech on Saturday. I know, I know. It's not going to happen. Um, But there is some concern around Georgia. Now, I have talked around the concerns about um, Stetson Bennett and his sort of inability to take care of the football. Uh, Our buddy Seth Emerson of The Athletic points out another problem that sort of came to life on Saturday against Kentucky. Uh, and you know, has been something that has sort of plagued Georgia all season long under the radar, but because they keep winning, it's not really coming to the forefront. And that is their lack of touchdowns in the red zone. Now, Georgia has the best red zone percentage in the nation when you count field goals, but including only touchdown, Georgia falls all the way to 52nd in the country. Uh, on Saturday, they went to the red zone five times. Georgia only got in the end zone once, settled for three jackpot Lesney field goals, and decided to go for it from fourth and goal from the one, didn't get it. So is this a real problem for Georgia? Um, You could argue that it is, uh, but you could also argue this is maybe a little bit more about Todd Munkin and the offense trying to get too cute. Georgia averages 5.4 yards per rush, and probably has two of the most tight end dominant is uh, two of the most dominant tight ends rather in the entire sport uh and how do they not just make this that simple you could call it coaching you could call it play calling you could call it execution you could call it a lot of things uh, not everything is you know actually uh, uh you know not everything is the same on all those red zone drives so it's hard to figure out um Runs from the five-yard line or closer, Georgia has rushed it 41 times, scoring on 19 of those rushes, an average of 2.16. That ranks 40th out of 77 teams with at least 20 such attempts. On passes from the five-yard lines or closer, Georgia's 8 of 12 at 6 touchdowns has tied for 13th most in that situation. No interceptions, no sacks. And, and to Stetson Bennett's credit, of all the turnovers he's made, he hasn't turned the ball over in the red area. Um, here's the thing. And this is probably why this hasn't come to the forefront as a bigger issue. And that simply is Georgia can afford to get away with kicking field goals because their defense has been so good. Now, let's fast forward. Does that same situation apply when they face a team in the college football playoff? Now, I know Georgia fans, I know, God forbid anybody think that somebody could beat Georgia, but, uh, you know, I would look at the Tennessee game as probably the one game that they've played this year against a college football playoff caliber team, right? And if you go to that game and sort of look at the 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 drive chart, you know, I mean again, Georgia does this Kirby death march that results um in a lot of touchdowns. Um But, you know, their first touchdown was a 13-yard run by Stetson Bennett, so they were in the red area. Um, Their next touchdown was a 37-yard pass, not in the red area. Their third touchdown um, was a five-yard pass from Bennett from the five-yard line. Uh, They settled for another field goal. Where was that from? That was at the Tennessee 2. But, again, you know, again, situationally, when Georgia's up 21-6 and you're at the end of the first half, you obviously kick the darn field goal. They start out the second half. The drive stalls out at the Tennessee 20, even though they went 15 plays. Um, They kick a field goal, you know, and then they weren't in the red area the rest of the game. So situationally, the field goals haven't been hurting them because it's smart to take them. And that's the other thing. Georgia's never really trailed, right? Other than Missouri, they've never really trailed enough in any game where kicking a field goal was a net negative. Right, the problem was is that Georgia kicked four field goals before they ever scored a touchdown in that game. They kicked two field goals in the second quarter, two field goals in the third quarter, and that was that. So, and was that important? Yeah, because well, they never really were down by more than one touchdown at at any point in that game. And down by ten, they were down. I'm sorry, they were down by thirteen at one point in the second quarter. But there's so much time left. Of course, you kick the field goal. You know, situationally, again, they go down half 16 at 6. Their first drive out of the third quarter, you kick a field goal to make it 16-9 and nine because it's a touchdown game, right? Missouri kicks another field goal. You get down there, you're going to settle for another field goal. And Pud Lesney, in that game, had field goals of 34, 28, and 29. Those are all red zone area field goals. They just are. So um, that's the only game where it was ever in doubt that Georgia – you know, maybe needed to go for it when they didn't have to go for it. But when you play with the lead routinely, field goals aren't a bad thing. That's why this isn't being talked about. Now, when you get into a game against a team like, you know, Ohio State, if they're fourth or whatever, or Michigan or, or USC, a team that can score and score very quickly, can you settle for field goals? Nobody really knows the answer to that. We'll find out. But that really is something that needs to be considered um, when it comes to how this team performs in the college football playoff. Will it hurt them? Chances are no, because again, their defense is so good, but just something to think about. If you get a game where the perfect storm comes together, Stetson Bennett not taking care of the ball and settling for field goals. You may allow a team to hang around longer than possible. And if it's a team like USC that has a high-powered offense, not say, I think USC's offense is everybody, every bit as good as Tennessee's, for the record. That said, um, you know, somebody would argue, well, Georgia's already played a USC offense. They did, and they also gave up 50 points in that game. The last time they played Oklahoma, uh, when Lincoln Riley was there with Baker Mayfield in the college football playoff. So, We'll see how that goes anyway, just something to think about going forward. All right, speaking of the college football playoff,, uh, their job's gonna get really easy, and um there there is a scenario where Georgia's worst foe could end up in the college football playoff. I'll discuss that here in a moment, but first, it is time for our shovels of wisdom. <laughs> Brace yourselves, because it's time for the Shovel of Wisdom. Yeah, you know how we do it every day. Somebody says or does something stupid, we have to reward them. We have to remind them how dumb they are and give them a shovel of wisdom. You can do so on my Twitter account, at Mark Zinno, M-A-R-K-Z-I-N-N-O. And I have to give myself a shovel here, guys. (laughs) I forgot to tell you about Built Bar and Bilt Bar Puffs and how delicious they are. I'm going to get to my regular shovel here in just a second, but if you guys haven't tried Built Bar Puffs, huh, no, depriving yourself of one of life's greatest joys, these things are fantastic, and I say this because I've had them, I've tried them, multiple flavors, they are perfect, the perfect snack, 160 calories, a whopping 15 grams of protein covered in 100% real chocolate, absolutely delicious, especially... Their newest flavor, Cookie Dough Chunk. It's got real chunks of cookie dough in it. It's so delicious. Perfect snack in between meals when you're on the go. Uh, Something late at night after dinner where you don't want to be too stuffed and too filled. Built Bar Puffs, uh, amazing. Go to Built.com. Get a box for yourself. Hide them from the kids. Take it to the office. Do whatever you need to do. These things are absolutely perfect for you. Again, go to Built.com. Use the promo code LOCKEDON15. You'll get 15% off your first order again. Built.com, use the promo code Locked On 15 and you'll get 15% off your first order. Okay, now time for my regular shovel of wisdom. And today it goes to John Sokoloff. Yeah, so you're, you're doing that of order? Uh, John Sokoloff uh, is a reporter. Uh, according to his Twitter bio, he's the sports director at WCBI News. Covering Mississippi State, Ole Miss, and high school sports, he's a Heisman voter, an AP award-winning journalist, and he went to Ithaca College. He's an alum there. He tweeted out yesterday uh, around 7:30 p.m. Ole Miss head coach Lane Kiffin plans to step down as Rebels head coach Friday and head to Auburn to become the Tigers' next head coach, according to sources. Sources say the Tigers haven't officially offered the job to anyone yet, so Lane to Auburn is happening story soon. Well, the best troll on Twitter. Uh, wasn't going to let that go. And why I love, absolutely love Lane Kiffen. He quote tweeted it and said, That's news to me, John. Face palm slap. Nice sources. With a whole bunch of emojis afterwards. Not only that, Lane Kiffen didn't stop there. He went on to take a picture. Uh, I guess of a typed out thing with this, you know, triangle with an exclamation point, in a red triangle like, hey, stop. He's, this just in, breaking news. John Sokoloff of WCBI News and Starkville Mississippi Plants stepped down as lead anchor and head to WLOX to become their new lead anchor. Sources say WLOX hasn't offered the job to anyone yet, so John to LOX is happening. Story soon. <laughs> Lane Kiffin is the best. John Sokoloff got owned on Twitter, and, uh, yeah, I'm here for every single bit of it. Lane Kiffin is the absolute best. I would – Lane Kiffin being the coach of your college football team is is awesome. He's absolutely awesome. You know, I mean, just absolutely is. So, uh, uh, whatever. Enjoy it like I did. Okay, now, speaking of the college football playoff here, um, I was going over scenarios. We talked a little bit about yesterday. Um, and, you know, there is a sort of weird way that Alabama might just be able to sneak in to this thing here. Let me give it to you this way. Um, here's what they need to happen. It's not impossible, but it's viable. You ready? Here we go. Georgia has to win out. LSU can't beat Georgia because it's going to take up a spot. Uh, Winner of Ohio State, Michigan. Now, we know those are two. My guess is still that the loser, if this happens, the loser of Ohio State, Michigan gets in. But here's the way it goes down TCU loses to Iowa State and then loses to K State in the Big 12 championship. Not totally impossible. Very tough, but not totally impossible. Right? And I would even argue maybe TCU. If they lose in their conference championship game, um, you know, it'd be tough. I'm curious to see what the committee would do with them. USC loses to Notre Dame this week. Doesn't matter what they do. um, And and then would have to probably lose to Oregon in the Pac-12 championship game. LSU takes a third loss. They're out. Clemson loses to North Carolina in the ACC championship game. They're out. That would mean Alabama, if they win this week, would be 10-2. and two. Their only two losses would be to LSU, a top-10 team, and Tennessee, a top-10 10 team. And they would probably have a better resume, resume than a two-loss USC. They would have a better resume than a two-loss Clemson. Um, they would have a better resume than a two-loss LSU, although people would go, you can't put Alabama over LSU because LSU beat Alabama. You guys are idiots. Uh, anyway, TCU might be the only team that, if they go undefeated and lose in the Big 12 championship game, might have an argument to get in just because they played so many tough teams. But the real question is, is would a two-loss Bama have a better resume than a one-loss Michigan who lost their final regular season game to Ohio State? Could argue Yes. Could argue yes for Alabama. I mean, again, losses to Tennessee and LSU, but you get wins over Texas, uh, wins over ranked Mississippi State. I mean, you know, ranked Arkansas earlier in the year. You could argue it's certainly a tougher schedule across the board. The SEC West is no joke. That's what it would take. So is it still possible for Alabama to sneak in? Maybe. Maybe. Just maybe. I don't think all that happens. Um, Again, I am still here for uh, TCU to run the table and USC to run the table. So it makes it really easy on the college football playoff committee. Um, But if one of them slips up, I'm telling you the loser of Ohio State, Michigan, gets in. Two Big Ten teams are getting in this year. That's my guess. I said that to you guys weeks ago. Everybody laughed at me. You told me I was nuts. Told me I was crazy. Well, just look who's so crazy right now. It me, it's me. I'm also right sometimes. Not often, but sometimes. Every now and then you get lucky. What can you do? Uh, make sure you guys check out Locked on Falcons. It's an amazing show. Aaron Freeman does a fantastic job. He's going to have so much information for you guys on Kyle Pitts. But after you check out Locked on Falcons, check out the Locked on Sports Today podcast. It's got the biggest stories of the day, instant reactions, big game recaps, and the take of the day. It's available on the Odyssey app YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Locked On Sports Atlanta, always free on YouTube. Search Locked On Sports Atlanta wherever you get your podcasts. Go subscribe to our YouTube channel. Get us to those 5,000 subscribers. We want it. We need you. Go out and do it. Tell a friend. Bring them with you. Both of you click a thumbs up and subscribe to all the content there that we have on Locked On Sports Atlanta. Like I told you before, we're on Roku TV. So many places to get all these great shows here on the Locked On Sports Atlanta network. We appreciate the love and support. Every single day. Follow us on Twitter at LockedOnATL. You can follow me at Mark Zino M-A-R-K-Z-I-N-N-O. And uh, we'll be back tomorrow for a Wednesday edition as we plow towards Thanksgiving. Um, since we don't have a show on Thanksgiving, I will be giving out my Thanksgiving picks mañana, tomorrow. So make sure you stay tuned for that as well. Uh, back tomorrow with another show. You guys have a wonderful Tuesday. Don't take a crap from anybody yeah